Welcome to the Director Download, powered by Campus Rec Magazine. It's time to go behind the curtain of the director role and have honest discussions with leaders in the campus recreation industry. Host, Grady Sheffield, the Director of Campus Recreation at Towson University and the Senior Advisor to the Campus Rec Mastermind Groups, gives you, the listener, real and authentic conversation between himself and special guest, Laura Hall the Director of Recreational Sports at the University of Florida. In this interview, Hall shares about the unorthodox way she entered campus recreation and the lessons she was able to pull from her unique past experiences. Hint, it has to do with coaching. Eventually, she found herself at Penn State, creating a department through the years only to one day lead it in a pandemic. It was a tough experience and there are things she would have done differently. However, in need of a reset, she found her way to the University of Florida, where she's taken modeling, well-being, and flexibility to a new level. Listen to her lessons learned, experiences had, and more in the conversation that follows. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Director's Download. I am Grady Sheffield, your host, and I am excited today because I'm joined by Laura Hall. Some of you may know who Laura is. She's got quite a background in Campus Rec and with NERSA. And so we are going to get into it. Laura, you ready? I'm so ready. All right. So Laura, why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit about your background and your journey through Campus Rec and what led you to where you are today? Awesome. Um, Thanks for having me, Grady. I'm happy to be here. So I came into Campus Rec in a little unorthodox way versus how um, I have seen many others enter into the field. I had a career coaching collegiate basketball at the Division I level. Um, When my husband and I decided to start a family, really thought that that was a, a a tough road in balancing uh, family and and that uh, intensity of work. So kind of um, got in the back door uh, or the side door of collegiate rec and started at entry level at Sac State um, and did some intramural work. And they were super gracious and really um, being patient and kind of teaching me the campus rec ways and blending um, what I learned from collegiate basketball coaching. Anyway, from there, um, I ended up at UC Davis um, out in California and um, had a variety of roles there from um, kind of an associate director or an assistant director, really, for intramurals and then associate director of programs. And then, you know, over the course of 18 years, ended with my last few years there as director of campus recreation. And so was afforded really cool opportunities to learn super new, um, uh, super uh, new program areas, a craft center, a marching band, an equestrian center, really, uh-huh. uh, yeah, right? Um, and things that I wasn't comfortable with, which was cool in my associate director role and really did help prep me for the uh, director's role. Anyway, after that, uh, headed over to Penn State University and was uh, the first uh, director of campus recreation there. They were moving that program out from under athletics and creating a new campus recreation department at Penn State. And that was a really cool opportunity to help uh, create a team to build something from the ground up. Did that for five years. And now I'm at the University of Florida. I've been here six months, uh, following in the footsteps of the great David Bowles. Yes. And uh, <laughs> And I'm um, trying to keep my head above water here at UF. 
Yeah, well, that's that's fitting since you're in the swamp, right? Keeping that's your head above water. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. So, wow, what a journey all the way from California to Penn State. I guess we'll consider that the Midwest considering the Big Ten. Right. Um, down south to, to Gator Country at UF. So, and your background is in started out in basketball. And right. I also know that you've got um, a background in um, exercise physiology, science, and sociology. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Those were my various degrees. Yeah. yeah. So a wide variety. I, you mentioned um, in your time at Sacramento State, I think you said this about taking your experience in basketball and applying it on the recreational side. So, so what did you learn from basketball that you were able to apply yeah. in, the, in this field? You know, it, it didn't take me long to realize when I shifted from coaching to collegiate rec that everything I loved about coaching players, I still got to do in collegiate mm. rec. It was just coaching employees instead of coaching players. Yeah. And, um, and the things that were less fun, you know, the recruiting trail and being gone and on the road so much, mm. uh, I got to leave behind and really focus on, you know, what we know as student development in, in our work. Um, you know, you're still doing the planning. You still have X's and O's. It's just in a different realm. It's X's and O's of, of program development or facility development, that kind of thing. Um, and so there, you know, more was transferable than not from coaching to, to our work. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about a lot as directors that that's what we do as coach, right? That's yeah. what we're doing on a regular basis. So cool. Um, you also mentioned, you made a huge transition leaving, I would assume, a lot of comforts in California since that's where you're from and you're, right. um, your husband, your family, whatnot, right? Yeah. To go to Penn State and not only make that huge move across country into a totally different area than California, right. but to be the first, the right. first director. Yeah. So tell me more about that experience and the impact it had on you. Yeah, that's a really multifaceted um, answer for you. And so I'll start with, um, you know, UC Davis was a, uh, is, is very, very, a special place to me. I went, I did my undergrad there, um, had an awesome, that's where I played basketball, really amazing, um, experience there for, for five years, then went away to various schools and coached at various universities. Um, came back to work and it was as magical as when I was there as a student and spent 18 years there. Right. Um, with that being said, our family went through some pretty traumatic experiences uh, with the mental health um, mm. challenges around our daughter. And so I would say my last three years in Davis professionally were great. I was getting additional opportunities to learn and grow professionally, but personally, um, our family dynamics were quite frankly in shambles because of mm. these really significant mental health challenges that our daughter was just on the front end of navigating and, 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 um, you know, enduring. And when so when was this, when was, what time period is this? What this year was, was this? from 2012 to 2015. Okay. So uh, not that long ago. No, not that long ago yeah. at all. So she was like in her, uh, pre-teens and early teenage years when okay. I went down, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a spoiler alert. She's doing amazing now. She graduated awesome. from college. Yeah. I mean, we are really, really fortunate that the intervention that we were able to, to get for her 
was exceptionally uh, successful and she's doing amazing. She's traveling Europe solo right now. So she's, oh, she's awesome. doing her thing. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was a really hard time, Grady, um, grueling and quite frankly, traumatic. And I think by the end of my UC Davis experience, professionally, it was great. Personally, you know, there were things that happened, you know, um, her struggles in our house, you know, some some really traumatic stuff of needing to watch her 24 seven so that she wasn't going to hurt herself, that kind of stuff. But it kind of became um, like for me a necessity, like I just needed a hard reset. Mm. And um so, you know, I just started looking elsewhere and, um, you know, Davis was where our kids were born and raised, but it was just, it was in retrospect, I didn't know this, like, I didn't quite understand why I was looking, but in retrospect, it was that hard reset. And so I started looking and Penn State opportunity came to be. The idea of building something from scratch was super appealing with the resources that Penn State has. And that's kind of what, what drew me. With that being said, our son also had committed uh, to Columbia University in New York City. And so, you know, didn't want to chase him. Like, you know, he had to have his own collegiate experience. But so he was going to be a freshman in New York City. And I thought, ah, oh, this is perfect. You know, four hours away gives him his space, but uh, but isn't cross country from Yeah, here. right. Close so enough. So it kind Still of like all the stars aligned, kind of yeah. nice and and gave us, you know, what all of us needed was kind of that reset and and we kind of turned in from a California family to a, uh, you know, Midwest slash East Coast family. So pretty crazy shift. Yeah. Yeah, that is. That's huge, especially with the personal stuff that you talked about and then your son. So what was the impact of walking in to the atmosphere at Penn State for you from for you personally in terms of being the first? And I imagine some pressure associated with that i know that they were under athletics and then they you know they did some expansion and built some some new facilities and then kind of did, did a restructure and thus you came in and but also i remember i think there was an article in um the magazine where there was a whole preview on you guys had a huge staff like 53 and right. i remember you there was tons of positions that were being hired kind of all at once so tell us about that and the impact that, that it had on you yeah you know the pressure um for me, and, and perhaps this is because of, you know, my background in athletics, like I love the challenge of whether it's a big game or a big task or whatever. So for me, that was, it, it was pressure, but in no negative, yeah, not easy, but I just, <laughs> I love it. Right. Um, and so I was so excited to build that team and get started. And there was the bones, right. The infrastructure facilities wise, there were staff that came over from athletics, but, you know, not that many. And so we had to make, you know, some some pretty significant adjustments. There was a retirement uh, program, a golden handshake program that happened like literally on my fourth day. And so I think four or five staff chose to exit there, which gave me even more flexibility um, in building the team. And so, um, you know, in again, in terms of, you know, pressure, if you will, like when I interviewed um, the vice president at Penn State, Damon Sims, uh, came from Indiana University, was actually the chair of the rec sports board for Kathy Bayless mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So when I interviewed, like our vision for what could be were directly aligned. And really, I was coming in to help 
activate his vision. Mm -hmm. And so knowing I had that, what I call high cover, right? One mm -hmm. of the, you know, top level of the university, really wanting this and valuing this, knowing we had the resources, uh, it was just a matter of, okay, how do we align priorities and strategies to have it come to life? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, I thought it was, it was really cool and fun. This episode is brought to you by Campus Rec Mastermind Groups. These groups are created as a space for executive directors and directors to present questions and challenges you are faced with in your position so you can leverage the power of your peers to help you succeed. It's a leadership accountability group that provides immediate professional development based on your specific challenges as a leader. Interested in learning more? Email Heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. How did you how did you take care of yourself from your personal well-being during that time? You're dealing with a lot from the family aspect, new area, exciting but new um, professionally. Like, what were you doing from a well-being perspective for yourself? Yeah, you know, there was um, a staff member there uh, who over who oversaw fitness, Jill Garrigan, and and she was super gracious and um, kind of showed me the area via runs. And so we would go on runs probably four or five times a week. And she'd show me different neighborhoods. Oh, you should look at this neighborhood to buy a house or this, but all through runs. And, and then we would chat about the history of, you know, um, athletics and, you know, um, some of the other stuff that went on at Penn state that wasn't so great. And, um, you know, the transition to student affairs and what the new rec model and that kind of thing. So I would say well-being wise, really focused on kind of fitness for me. Um, cause again, we were coming out of this really heavy family time where I wasn't able to, to focus a ton on personal well-being, mm -hmm. And so it was this sh dynamic shift where all of a sudden I had this time, <laughs> you know, um, to do that. And so, um, so really, I would say that's what it was. So like lunchtimes, early morning workouts, um, you know, kind of that, that sort of thing yeah. where we focus. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, a, a hard reset in your transition from California to Penn state. Um, and you, you did another reset, right? You went to UF. Um, I, my words, not yours, but I guess I'm asking, was that a hard reset for you as well? Um, it was a different reset, you know? Um, so more of a professional mm -hmm. one. Um, I think, you know, with Penn State, that was a big task um, to build something from the ground up to to transition not only an organization, but some of the people within that organization to a really new way of doing things and a new why. Why, you know, the why behind our work was different from under athletics to under student affairs. And, you know, we made tremendous progress. You mentioned it, like we had so many jobs open. I think we went from, from 20, it was like 20 or 21 positions to 53 over the course of two years. I mean, I think my first year there, we hired 14 people, right? Which was very fun and dynamic. And then onboarding those. And I feel like right before the pandemic, we had kind of the, the, um, the majority of our staff really heading in the right direction and buying into student affairs and really, um, you know, what what Damon called the contemporary collegiate rep model. You know, what was at Penn State, 
before was contemporary. It was an old model under athletics. And so getting the, the, the majority of staff to buy in and we were there and, you know, when the pandemic hit, it, it hit our staff hard and um, from a, from a kind of, you know, just morale and, um, and kind of emotional perspective while all salaries were protected, I think the staff really, it, it hit folks hard. A number of folks left the department. Um, and, um, you know, those that, that remained, um, I feel like we were on the front end of kind of the, the great resignation and everybody's mm-hmm. looking around going, what is going on? And then, you know, it just created a really hard environment for me to live in. I, you know, in leading, trying different things, trying to kind of stem the tide of, of negativity. And it was hard, Grady. Um, yeah. And so, you know, th- it became a point um, last year where I was just started thinking for the first time in my career, like, gosh, maybe I'm not the leader <laughs> that can do this. And really started feeling like, okay, gosh, am I doing a disservice to this organization and university and that I'm not figuring out how to um how to stem this tide and that was a hard piece right that was a really hard piece yeah it was (laughs) i'm with you yeah and you know for the listeners part of the reason why i wanted to do this with laura or why we're doing this with laura is because it, it comes back to the topic and i think what you just explained relates to it is leaders taking care of themselves Hmm. right and recognizing um when we need to do that, because we don't always do that. Right. Most of the time, it seems like as a leader, as a coach, uh, that's what we're doing. We're coaching our team up. And your experience that a lot of us, similar to a lot of us through COVID, um, I don't know. I'm thinking and trying not to make this about me, but thinking about me, like there were times where I had to hit the pause button for myself. Right? Right. What am I doing? Can I do this? Right. Which was very hard. So, you know, what I'm hearing you say then is you 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 made a choice at that time um, to leave Penn State. I think for a couple of factors, right? But to only, not a hard reset, but do, but to do right. another reset. Mm-hmm. And now you're you're at UF, and yep. I know that um, your background at Davis and at Penn State and at UF big on the well-being aspect to students. Right. right? That that's where we are as a whole. But I know you personally have put in. Um, a lot of work into that. And I, I wrote down something that, you know, you, at, at Florida, I think you did in, in your, um, I read an article at UF where they were introducing you and talking about the excitement of coming into a program that you mentioned that is established. Right. And, but there's opportunity there. There's opportunity for change and to do more. And you're ready to hit the ground or you're ready to start hitting the ground running on from a strategic planning aspect, right? And initiatives. Right. Yeah. And what are what are we going to do? Um, and you said, you know, and it gives you an opportunity to take the personality or the ego out of things and focus on what is best for the students, which I thought was awesome. An awesome quote from you on that. Um, but I'm curious that you've had all of these experience related to making some changes for personal growth and your well-being. What is your approach to modeling behavior with your leadership team at Florida to make sure that I kind of heard you say what well, I took away from to COVID had a big impact on burnout, right? But yeah. to to keep that from happening for another large group at, at UF. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's interesting because now, um, you know, our kids, my kids are at the age where they're just entering the workforce. And so watching that from the parental perspective has really informed me from a director's perspective. And it is different than I entered the workforce, right? Like you pay your dues, you take what you can get, you're grateful for it, et cetera. And I feel like our staff today, particularly those that are entering for the first time in a full-time position, have a whole different set. And this is a, a this is a broad stroke. So I understand this isn't everybody, but what I'm seeing more of is um, really looking for value-based alignment in positions and in organizations. And, you know, with that, I think we have to adjust as leaders and we can't do this. Well, you should just be grateful to be here kind of thing. And, you know, the burnout is real. It's real, not only in collegiate rec and higher ed, it's, it's, it's everywhere. We have to evolve. Um, Or I think we're going to be sitting on the outside, looking in the windows, wondering what the heck happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, you know, paying particular attention to what do our staff need, modeling it by me taking care of what do I need so that it's not empty words. You know, if I'm modeling it, then it's really easy for other folks to understand, hey, you know, it's important to her, therefore it should be important to me and it's going to be supported that it's important to me. So whether that's staff with families that, hey, I need to cut out at four o'clock for X, Y, and Z. Yep. You know what? I trust you. I trust you to get done what you need to get done, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not about clock watching or task managing. You know, it's 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 far more relational and trust centric than probably how we were way, way back in the day. I sound a thousand years old, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and then on the well-being, because our work is well-being, right? gosh, if we're not going to model it, how in the world do we have credibility with our students? You know, and that can look really different from person to person. I think it is important that it looks different. For some, it might be taking a cooking class. Awesome. If that's what fuels you, you go do that. You know, others, it's a super intense workout or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, Nick, makes total sense. I'm wondering, curious if you, are there challenges associated with modeling the behavior of well-being for the department? departments that are it's their job to put it out there versus our um, colleagues and counterparts in the university who that's not their job right who maybe are more on the administrative finance side of things where it's all business do you see or get um, questions or pushback from the way in which you're you you're taking care of your team and yourself from a well-being standpoint I don't think questions as much as the, how do you, how do you do it? And like, you know, Mm -hmm. and and talking about prioritizing, right. Pushing away from the desk, even when the list is there and seems to be piling Mm -hmm. and that it's okay to prioritize that as a really high priority. And that, you know, the bottom line is in, in my experience, the things on the list that have to get taken care of do they get taken care of. And there's things on the list that it's like, oh, I'll get to it. And then pretty soon you come back in a month and it's like, why did we even need to do that? (laughs) You know exactly what I mean, right? And so so my thing, I think it's easy to be like, oh, I'm just going to get this one more thing done and and not get up and move at some point during the day or whatever fuels your well-being, right? Um, So for me, it's a hard, I have it on my calendar, workout. Um, you know, 
my administrative assistant understands and protects it like it's a pile of gold, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, she'll move it around throughout the day as necessary, which is obviously, you know, important to be flexible, but also knowing that hour needs to be somewhere. It's extremely rare that, you know, we'll book something to the extent that it can't happen, you know, and if there is lots of important things, Grady, it might be, well, I can meet with you at seven in the morning or at 5.30 at night. So if there is, because you know how it goes, like right now we're super, super impacted and busy with yeah. the start of the year. So the, the day might get longer, but the workout or movement or whatever it is, is still right. in somewhere. I think it's interesting that you said things get moved around. And my take on that is you're not only are you modeling well-being, but flexibility, modeling the ability to be flexible. And sometimes I think in our field or in higher ed, we get too rigid on the schedule. Right. The way it has to be. So um, well done for you for that and showing that. That's great. We try. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. So I guess the, um, the last thing I want to kind of ask you is to, to kind of sum this up from a leaders taking care of themselves and modeling the behavior is, um, is there anything that you would have done differently? Or what would you have said to yourself back when you when you took that job at UC Davis as a director or when you left to go to Penn State or when you left Penn State to come to UF? Is there anything that you would you would say you would do differently or or advise yourself on? Yeah, I think um, I'll use the Penn State exit as an example. I wish I had come to the conclusion sooner mm. that, you know. Not on them, not on me. It just wasn't working anymore. Um, and, you know, that was really hard to admit out loud. Like, gosh, I don't think I'm right for this place. And I don't think this place is right for me. And, you know, whether that's professionally or for me, living in Central PA was a big piece too. That was very, very, very hard for me. Just felt very isolating for me. Um, and not feeling like you belong, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wish I had listened to my gut sooner on that piece. Um, awesome experience. I think I'm a better director for it. And it was really super hard. <laughs> and the last yeah. year was brutal, was yeah. absolutely brutal. And so that would be the piece is, you know, I think I this discomfort is important and necessary and it makes us grow. And there comes a point where, okay, what is sustainable and what isn't? And I think I got to that point of this isn't sustainable, a little little late to the party there. Yeah, um, that's, I think that is amazing advice because I don't think that as directors, we do that enough um, when it comes to our own well-being of listening to our gut and making the decision sooner before maybe it's too late or you get to that point where, you know, you might be throwing your hands up or what have you. So yeah. that is awesome. So everybody that's listening, you hear that in order for you to take care of yourself and your own well-being, listen to yourself sooner and hear yourself, hear yes. what's yes. happening. Yeah. Right. Well, Laura, I, this has been, this has been great. Um, I know it's been a quick one, but this is, you've provided some valuable insight that I think our other directors need to hear. And I appreciate your time. And I think it's awesome, the work that you're doing down there in UF. And I loved hanging out with you at the summit. I got to get that in. And um, 
hopefully we'll see you again next year, right? Absolutely. Already signed up. Awesome. Let's go. Yes. Awesome. Good for you. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then anytime you want to come back to the director's download, let me know. We'd love to have you and talk more about what's going on at UF. Awesome. Thanks so much for making this a comfortable experience. Oh, fun. you're so welcome. Enjoyed yeah. it. All okay. right. Thanks, Grady. Thanks, everybody.